You're listening to Healthy AF Podcast, discussing all things strength, nutrition, and performance. We help people improve performance, reduce injury, and move better. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Howington and Corey Lehman. Welcome to the Healthy AF Podcast. We are back. I am Corey, and I am here with Dave, and we are ready to bring you part three of our Movement Pattern Series. Hey everybody, temporary co-host Dave here. Uh, I like to say I'm like a bad lunch at the cafeteria. I just keep coming back. (laughs) Uh, Today what we have for you guys is the final part of our three-part series on movement patterns. The last two episodes we've talked about basically the main and plane of movement patterns within the weight room context And to recap, those movement patterns are the squat or knee dominant exercises, the hinge or hip dominant exercises, pushing, pulling, single leg exercises, and carry slash core exercises. Today, we want to round out this series talking about corrective exercises. So as Corey points out, we're talking about corrective exercises. The most important thing to make sure is that when you use corrective exercises, you're actually correcting something. Uh, so that's one thing too, is some of what we're going to be talking about are things that you might not know are wrong with you. Um, and that's where you can even come in uh, and hit us up about even performing an assessment so we can give you the exact corrective exercises that will help you specifically. Yeah, at the end of the day, we want to see you come in here so that we can actually make some money and keep putting this podcast on for you because this is free, you know, so help us out. Feel bad for a brother. Part of the reason we classify these exercises as correctives is because they don't really fall into your typical movement patterns. They're not easily identified. One example that comes to mind is that most people could probably relate to is a lateral band walk where you put a band around your ankles and you sit into a little bit of a squat position and you sidestep. And when we look at that and assess and say, well, what movement pattern does that belong to? It's kind of hard to say, oh, well, that's a squat or that's a hinge. And so it's easier to take some of these smaller things that are based towards correcting imbalances and lump them into a category that we call correctives. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing to point out with corrective exercises is the importance, you know, we talked about this already in our last episode briefly, but the importance of intent. Um, With corrective exercises, you got to think like a lot of times what puts us in a position that's not optimal or puts us in the need for a certain corrective exercise is our lifestyle is repetitive stress on the body. And so when we perform any type of corrective exercise, we need to perform with intent to actually feel the muscles working that we want to work. So for instance, like Corey was talking about, a lateral sidewalk. I don't know you know, whether whether classify as a squat or a hinge. What I do know is that I, al- I also wanna get you know, my glute medius, or as I sometimes call, refer to my butt cheeks, I want to make sure (laughs) that I get that area actually firing and that I actually feel that area working. And if I'm doing a sidewalk and I don't feel my butt cheeks working, then there's a good chance that I need to adjust something with my positioning so I can actually feel the area that I'm targeting. So with that being said, I think similar to how we did with our movement patterns, we have different classifications. I think it's important to classify 
our corrective exercises in a way that's easy for you to relate to. Correctives are an important component of any training program because at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, somewhere along the lines, you're probably dealing with some type of muscular imbalance. And it's important to specifically address those imbalances. For example, I struggle with really tight hip flexors. So rather than continually squat, 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 which is not a bad thing, I should also pair that with corrective exercise to help open my hips up and create more flexibility and mobility there. Others may struggle with posture and you might think, well, just pull, pull a bunch, do a bunch of pulling exercises. Or we've even heard sometimes people say, you know, you should always pull three times as much as you should press. In some cases, yes, but in some cases, no. What we see a lot of times is people will pull and they don't realize that they're actually making their lats tighter and that in turn is rolling their shoulders forward. So the very thing that they think they are improving or correcting via you know a big movement pattern like a pull, they're actually making worse. And so that's why we want to include corrective type exercises that help offset typical postures or patterns that we might find ourselves in. And also they help to activate certain muscles that we may not use on a daily basis. Yeah, to that point, to what Corey's saying is like a lot of times correctives are going to get, for lack of a better term, smaller muscle groups. Uh, For instance, you know, the soleus in the calf in that complex is a muscle that's often misused or not targeted enough. Uh, Same with the anterior tibialis. And so rather than send out like terms of each muscle that we want to target, I think it's important to classify you know, just the different areas that the correctives are actually working on. So, I mean, you're going to have correctives for every major joint of the body. You got the ankle and foot area. You got the knee. You got the hips, the even the low back, the upper back, the neck, and the shoulders are probably, I would say, the most major joints of the body. Now, obviously, there's a million other little joints, but we're going to keep things a little as simple as we can. When it comes to correctives, everybody is a unique individual, and that's why it's so important to assess your individual needs. But speaking in generality, Dave, maybe you could speak to what are the three or four main correctives that the majority of people could probably benefit from? I think one of the first ones, believe it or not, is breathing. Um, So you may not realize this, but breathing is an important part of life. Um, I think, uh, but in all seriousness, it's like, there's something where you, most people won't survive more than three minutes without air. Whereas you could survive several weeks without food, several days without water. So I think that just goes to show how important oxygen is. And then also the average human takes some 10 to 20,000 breaths a day. I can't, you know, you can Google check me or anything. I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head. But it's really important that you focus on breathing and you focus on breathing properly. So to Corey's point, like this is one thing I think everybody can use. And it's something you can do even just before your workout is just lay on your back, make your bend your knees so that your feet are flat on the ground, your knees are bent. And then I usually cue to put your hands on your rib cage um, at the bottom of your rib cage, kind of where you might flare a little bit or whatnot, kind of right above the belly. And then from there, 
you're going to take a deep breath in through your nose and I want you to try to expand that air into your hands and then I want you to breathe out through your mouth and feel that air deflate. I usually like to compare this to a balloon where when you blow into a balloon it should get bigger and expand and then when you let the balloon the air release it makes that funny noise and it de decompresses. It's really interesting and it goes it's something that's worth noting but when we're born we're amazing belly breathers. We if you watch a, a little child they will inhale deeply into their belly and they'll expand similar to how Dave just talked you through but over time, through the postures we assume, through the stress that we are under, we tend to become more chest breathers. And that can actually have some pretty detrimental effects when it comes to poor posture, poor tissue quality, poor movement patterns. And without getting your breathing under control and corrected, it can be really hard to unlock things like flexibility, mobility, strength. Would you agree, Dave? Yeah, I think... Breathing is one of those things that's so easily taken for granted um, and so misunderstood because it's not something you can tangibly see. Like I can't, you know, I can see myself touch my toes. I can see myself squat heavy weight, but I can't necessarily see myself breathing and I can't see direct influences of it. But I do believe, and there's a lot of theory behind this, that the better we breathe overall, the better movers we become as a whole. Another important Another important group of corrective exercises really revolves around spinal mobility. And at the crux of it is this idea that if you can keep your spine moving and you can keep your spine healthy, both flexing and extending, rotating and side bending, typically where your spine goes, the rest of the body flows. So if the spine is able to move, the rest of the body moves more efficiently. Well, what we'll find is that individuals who fail to prioritize flexing and extending their spine typically have decreased range of motion through the rest of the joints in their body. What's interesting about that is I think spine and breathing really do go hand in hand. The two aren't mutually exclusive. So what you run into is a lot of times people that struggle with spinal movement also struggle with breathing and vice versa. Um, it's not to say that's a blanket case. There's always exceptions to the norm. Um, but what I find, to Corey's point, is even before you start worrying about rotating or side bending, a lot of people just need to learn how to flex their spine in an even way and then extend their spine evenly all the way up and down that spinal column. And I mean, it doesn't take a lot of practice to do it. You can even just, you know, push your back against the wall and then try to round your back down the wall as you come down. And then you can do the reverse as you come back up and try to think about how can I round my back all the way through and how can I extend my back. Contrary to popular belief, excessive spinal flexion is not going to destroy your back, um, especially if you're not using like crazy heavy load all the way through it. And in layman's terms, when he says spinal flexion, he simply just is talking about rounding your back. I see what you did there, layman. Yeah. <laughs> see, I'm funny. I, I'm on this, Dave. I know how to do this podcast thing. Some of these things, as Dave has mentioned, are more visual. I specifically do have a video on spinal mobility and this idea of rounding your spine on my Instagram handle. It's Corey underscore IB, as in boy, J-I. Check that out. It'll help give you a better idea of 
the flexion and extension patterns of your spine and the importance surrounding it. Moving on in this idea of correctives, let's talk about the feet and their primary role in proper movement and what we can do to maybe add in some correctives and, and support our feet. So I, I've heard this example and I really like it. Um, what we do with our feet would be the equivalent of being born and putting a mitten on, on ourselves right away. Or, you know, we can't put mittens on ourselves when we're born. But, like, you take a newborn baby and put a mitten on them right away. You know, after a time, after wearing those mittens, what's going to happen is they're neurologically speaking, like their brain is not going to connect to their fingers well enough to separate them. So you're going to see those four fingers have trouble to move separately. And that is essentially what we do with our feet when we put our shoes on and when we wear our shoes all the time is we take away that connection of the brain to the feet and we take away that neurological connection. So it becomes tougher for us to move our toes individually. And so in all honesty, you know, as weird as it sounds, you really do kind of want those monkey feet where you can spread your toes out and you can move them one at a time. And so it's something very simple, again, that you can do where you just, you know, take your shoes off and just try to move your toes one at a time or try to move your big toe without moving your literal toes and vice versa. And that's not to say, you know, shoes are evil or they're all the devil or anything like that. But it's to say that, you know, it does, we do stand ourselves some good to kind of let ourselves wiggle our toes around every every so often. Yeah, and this is actually a lot harder than I think uh, it even sounds or Dave is making out to be. He's being pretty nice. But if you try to keep your foot uh, stationary and only try to lift your big toe off the ground and keep all your other toes firmly on the ground, I'd venture to say that we see maybe less than 20% of people can do this on the first try. Yeah, and I mean, even tries after that. Um, so it's like, you know, even this is something you can just even practice in the shower just while in the morning when you're getting ready, just practice wiggling your toes around and whatnot. Um, that way, at least in private, you don't have to worry about getting funny looks from people. Um, any case, our feet are a hugely neglected area of the body, specifically our toes. And I think, you know, if we can get the toes right and we can get them moving well, it's going to help open a lot of things, you know, using that word again, the kinetic chain. You open up a lot of things throughout our whole entire body. So I think, you know, if those three things are the only things you focus on, even though we're being pretty generalistic about it. But if you just focus on breathing right, getting your spine to move better, and then getting your toes to wiggle and getting your toes to move better, you're going to start seeing yourself open up to a lot of better movement, a lot feeling better and just overall better health. Yeah. And, and the, the core, the breathing, the spine, I think a lot of times that makes sense to people, but people give me weird looks when it comes to the feet. And what I remind people is you have to think about your foot is typically the first thing that is getting input from the ground. So it's actually sending signals up to the rest of your body and determining a lot of what is firing up your chain. That's why it's so important to prioritize the foot. Like Dave said, those those three things really making an emphasis to start focusing on those can go a long way towards improving overall outcomes with your other major lifts when it comes to reducing injury, getting stronger, creating a better foundation. Dave, if we were to give maybe a bonus corrective for people to think about, I think I'd probably veer towards glute activation. What do you think? Yeah, I think glute activation is another area that people struggle with. And now, make no mistake, we use activation as a term. Everybody's glutes 
actually work. Um, it's just whether or not, again, they have that brain connection to their glutes. Because, um, I mean, quite frankly, if our glutes didn't work, we wouldn't be able to stand. That being said, what happens is a lot of people, similar to our toes, have trouble finding their glutes. They have trouble feeling their glutes. And so that's another area of the body where if you can learn how to squeeze your glutes better and learn how to get the glutes working and just build up that mental, I guess, acuity with your glutes and be able to connect your mind to your glutes is going to go a long way in helping provide a good base of support for everything above that, including your spine, uh, you know, including your pelvic positioning, your breathing, all of that. Yeah, one of our therapists here at IBJ, he is notorious for just having people stand and try to fire each glute individually because it's such an important thing. If you think about when you go to walk, you need one glute contracting, pulling your hip through while the other glute is relaxing and releasing and letting that leg stride forward. You would be amazed at the amount of people that cannot individually fire each glute on their own or independently. So try that. Stand up right now. Obviously not if you're in the car, but stand up right now. Put your hands on your butt and see, can I fire the right glute but not fire the left glute and vice versa? And let us know because it's harder than you think. One other caveat I might add is put your hands on your butt, not somebody else's. <laughs> you guys didn't think you were going to be touching your butt. Isn't this a PG podcast, Dave? I mean, we're keeping it PG. I'm just seeing Finding Nemo. <laughs> True. That's a, that's, a, that's a good defense. So start there. To, to recap, spine, breathing, feet, and glutes. The correctives are really endless. And at the end of the day, it has to do with your unique individual body but this will give you a good base to start to focus on combo these in with your six main movement patterns and you're starting to have a pretty kick butt program one other thing i'll add um if you haven't listened to part one or two yet uh we'll have a link in the show notes please go to that Uh, because along with all this talk about correctives the other thing i've learned is that correct movement as a whole is corrective so if you're squatting well if you're hinging well if you're lunging well if you're carrying well if you're pushing if you're pulling all our six movement patterns if you're doing all of that correctly that's going to go a long way in complementing any other corrective work that you do all right well that wraps up episode three as always if you're in the area drop in We'd love to help you out in whatever way we can. You can always stop in for a free assessment and we will set you up. We are committed to helping you move better and live better. Until next time, guys, stay healthy AF. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy AF Podcast, where we help athletes and adults move, perform, and live better. If you're not subscribed already, be sure to go ahead and click that button right now. And if you found value in this episode, we'd love if you would do us a quick favor and rate and review the podcast. We'll see you on the next show.